This is a podcast by The Straits Times. And now it's time for our regular sports show, Game of Two Halves, every Monday at 5.15, where we host the sports podcasters from The Straits Times. I'm Rachel Kelly, standing in for Bernard Lim, and with me are sports correspondents Azali Abdulaziz and sports reporter Nicole Chia. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi, Joe. A couple of weeks ago, we discussed the possibility of pay cuts for Singapore Premier League players. And last Wednesday, the Football Association of Singapore announced that players' wages would be retained in full at the moment. Sazali, you broke the story that the idea was being considered. What's happened since? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, there have been very positive developments. I think, firstly, we have to be clear that the idea of, of you know, salary cut, sources have told me, multiple sources have told me, was mooted by clubs uh, and not the Football Association of Singapore. The clubs were considering the cost-cutting move because mm. of jackpot operations, which, you know, is their primary source of revenue, was affected because of, you know, stricter government measures to combat the spread of COVID-19. So, as I say, FAS, to their credit, I think from the very beginning, have been very keen to explore how they could alleviate or, or avoid any situation of wage cuts and I think our decision to run the story when we did actually left some people in FAS shall we say less than happy but like I said you know we, when we spoke about this two weeks ago the mm-hmm. idea was not an FAS one and I think to their credit they've worked very hard to come up with a solution and now they have after they call extensive discussions with club chairman and relevant stakeholders So how will these extensive discussions play out for the players? What's going to be the impact for them? So basically the FAS worked out what, you know, they not disclosed the amount, but they worked out a supplementary subsidy given to clubs, believed to be about uh, $90,000 for each local club to cover overhead costs such as uh, manpower costs. Players naturally have expressed relief and gratitude and also club chairman too. I mean, they obviously do not want to take such drastic action and, and you know, cut their, their player salary. But, you know, they felt they had to because they were panicking. They had to consider the dollars and cents of operating a club in this climate where, you know, there are no games, there's, there's you know, nothing you can do basically everything is at a standstill. In its statement, FAS said which cuts would be premature and the action would only be short-sighted, reactive and you know, like I said, you know, they've also introduced initiatives like online courses for players and coaches to help them be future ready once once the league resumes. So once again, it's not something exclusive to Singapore. Major clubs and you know, sports leagues in Europe have also been very antsy about having to consider cost-cutting measures and it's simply the, the new reality now. So kudos to the FAS for really coming out of a sticky and difficult situation with some credit to their name. This is Ali, I'm curious. You mentioned 90,000. How far does that 90,000 go? I'm just, you know, in terms of the cost of running a club. That roughly works out to about a month's salary or on average for, for playing okay. stuff. And okay. we, we're talking about what, what they were looking at was possibly a wage cut of up to 50%, between 30 to 50%. So going by that logic, it could probably tight clubs over for two or three months. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's all around good news for, well, for the clubs and players. Yeah, and talking about good news, you recently wrote about a Singaporean chess player, Kevin Goh, becoming our first chess grandmaster for over 20 years. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit more about yeah. that? Yeah, Kevin Goh is uh, a CFO, a local firm, and, and uh, you know he is our first chess grandmaster since 1999, and our, only our second local-born grandmaster, wow. which is which is you know a bit surprising to me because you know we, we are uh, such an academics-driven country. So I had assumed have um, a lot of higher achievers in in a sport like chess, but no. Uh, 
besides the point, you know, he, he, he Kevin is a, a 36 year old and, and he was officially bestowed the title of Grandmaster on April 1st, although he technically did it a couple of weeks earlier after he won a, a game against Myanmar's top player. And yeah, you know, he, there are only about 1,700 players uh, alive and dead who have attained Grandmaster status. So, you know, to, they, it's a really, really exclusive club. Yeah, it's a fantastic achievement for him. That's great. And, you know, sounds like Kevin's been busy. So he's a, our first chess Grandmaster. He, did you mention he's a CFO? And he also said that he's planning to launch a charity initiative to aid needy yeah. families affected by the coronavirus pandemic. How's that yeah. gone? When we spoke to him about a couple of weeks ago, or another week and a half ago, when he was just bestowed his, his new title, he said, you know, he wanted to use, you know, his achievement to sort of eight needy families and, and individuals. And so what, what he started was this move called the Chess Against COVID. It's, it's a movement, it's a charity initiative. Sounds catchy. Events, yeah, <laughs> it is a bit catchy. And it's basically chess events online, such as exhibition matches, commentaries and discussions and stuff like that, streamed over Twitch or, or, or various other platforms. There's a, a platform called Lee Chess, which is very popular with chess players. Um, and basically, people can also donate and, and they have actually to date raised uh, almost $32,000 already, which wow. is pretty amazing considering it's only been a couple of weekends. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's gone on really, really well. It's still some way from his target. He actually set a 100000 target and, and the, the proceeds go to the main beneficiary, which is Lakeside Family Services. And yeah, you know, he's uh, hoping that, you know, corporates and companies come forward and and you know perhaps you know partner with him to support this movement and and drive it further along and uh, and I hope he gets the support he looks for that's a great story, Sazali. Now, if you like the Straits Times game of two halves, you can listen live on Money FM 89.3 from 5.15 every Monday, or you can subscribe to hashtag Game of Two Halves on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and like us and give us a rating. <laughs> uh, back to the second half of our conversation and um, with SDE sports podcaster Sazali and Nicole. Now, last weekend, Minister for Culture, Community and Youth Grace Fu took some time to speak to the local sporting community over Facebook and she shared about the initiatives available to those whose livelihoods have been affected by COVID-19 and you joined her for the session. How did it go and what did she say? Well, there were some technical issues at the beginning, which is pretty normal, you know, in this day and age where all, we're all moving digital, but, you know, her message of was pretty clear. Creative, diversify skill set, also start thinking ahead to, you know, how businesses will when the circuit breaker measures are relaxed. So, for example, if you're talking about, say, businesses like gyms or studios that will be maybe slowly planning for gradual increases in class size, working out class time and schedules and you know, just thinking about how that's going to pan out. So, I mean, Ms. Fu was basically trying to reassure the community that she's aware of the challenges that they're facing during this period. And she also gave some other advice to people who might be struggling now, which is to consider loans if they can, and if cash is tight to see if mortgage installments can be deferred. And she also, again, you know, reiterated the highlights and the initiatives available, like the Active Enabler Program. So this is to create home-based exercises for Singaporeans to stay active, especially during this period. And this has a total grant budget of $2 million. I mean, this in addition to, you know, Singapore last month, availing 500 temporary jobs and training opportunities. So you mentioned, you know, challenges for the community. Maybe you can share with us some more examples of how COVID-19 has affected some members of the sports com- community and also sports businesses. 
Right. Well, their revenue has dropped. And, you know, of course, things like these affect morale. My colleague, Kimberly, and I actually wrote about this last weekend. And we've heard from people whose businesses have been affected in those ways, you know, from fitness studio owners to event organizers, you know, since running events like the Sandal Marathon has been cancelled. And even, you know, areas like sports, public relations and marketing, you know, where their revenue comes from taking on clients in the sports industry. So, for example, you know, yoga instructors, Roxanne Gan, she's her studio lesson six months ago. So she's really had to adapt to the challenges posed by the COVID-19 pandemic and all the policy changes as they've been announced. So like after social distancing measures that limited gathering to no more than 10 people, right? She started doubling her number of classes just to you know, make up that, that revenue. And now, of course, the studio is shut because of circuit breaker, but she still has to pay for things like rent, right. internet and utilities. And all of this comes up to about $19,000 a month. Yeah, and she's trying to supplement this and like cope with it by providing online yoga subscriptions for nine ninety a week. Yeah, yeah I was but, just going to ask, how are they diversifying their businesses? I mean, I've seen some online classes, but, you know, how effective have they been? Yeah, it's still been challenging for her because there are so many free resources online. And that just for your owners, like, her, you know, I was talking about, like, Tina company and event organizers who handle mostly sporting events. Like, for Full Circle, their last event this year was the SMBC Singapore Open, the golf tournament in January. And since then, you know, they, there's been nothing for them. And, you know, they've, they've had to implement pay cuts, but their main priority for the bosses at these companies is to keep staff drop in tech. So maybe you can tell us, you know, how all of this taken into consideration, how was Minister Fu's session received by those who attended? Well, for some, it's provided clarity, especially if they were those who, you know, posted their questions on the live chat, on the comments thread and had it answered by, by Ms. Fu, you know, especially for those who may not be so familiar with all the terms and resources available. You know, one of the people we've spoken to after that, um, he's Alex Salihin, the founder of Level Gym. He was actually doing his research as Miss Who spoke, and he said he's already paid and pasted all the relevant links to his coaches. Yeah, so I mean, most of this, there's a lot of information on the different schemes and, and you know, help platforms available, and it can be quite confusing and overwhelming, especially with like information overload. So some of the people, you know, like former national swimmer Tao Li, who owns in school, which was a bit unsure about the criteria for those eligible, and on her part, because you know she works in swimming, she's concerned about whether those upgrading opportunities are relevant to the swimming coaches that she employs. So that said, I mean, is there somewhere that they can go to, an online website that they can, if we've got um, any sports community members or businesses listening in, is there a portal that they can go to to check all of this out if they missed the Facebook session? It's a Get Active website and the Sports Singapore website. I mean, for because you know, then for a lot of these, these um, people working in the sport industry, their main area of expertise is in in sport training, fitness training, you know, for example, like personal trainer, Danny La, he, he does, he's a one show, he, he works on a freelance basis. And this, you know, coronavirus pandemic has basically forced him to adapt to moving to a digital platform and learning new skills like, you know, marketing, how to conduct classes effectively online. And, you know, he, he had to adapt to this and, and learn more new skills. Well, thanks, Nicole. And there goes the final whistle for our sports discussion of the week. We hope you enjoyed listening to us. Great talking to both of you. Thank you, Cezali and Nicole. Thank you. Thank you. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. 
Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.